Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to An Hour of Our Time Goes to the Movies. Also known as Two Hours of Our Time. <laughs> the podcast where we watch a movie that relates to a topic that we've previously covered and come back to tell you about what we've watched. Today we're covering The Brotherhood of the Wolf one of the highest grossing French language films ever uh, that also relates to our episode about werewolves. My name is Joe. And I'm Dave. And when we are planning to launch a Patreon sometime in the near future, and this is the kind of thing that we're thinking about as bonus content. So we wanted to give you a sample of it, and we'd love to hear what you think. First taste is free. Joe, do you want to start by uh, kind of talking about this new, um, I guess, sort of like side format we've got going here? Well, the way that this started was we are talking about an upcoming movie that has not come out yet. That all of the, I think all of the current and former, as a preview, I think all the current and former hosts of this podcast are interested in going to see. Yes, so I think you may you may hear a future episode where we we go talk about a, an upcoming big budget movie that relates to a previous episode. And, and you know what kind of relates to this one in some ways. It actually does because it's also about France, which is I suppose yeah. probably probably a big hint. But, but but you know we think we we could there are many movies yes. about the many topics that we covered, and so we thought it would be fun to do you know once in a while an episode that is sort of like an hour of our time goes to the movies where we kind of talk about a movie relating to a topic hopefully one that you have seen or maybe hey you see that the episode's out go watch the movie we thought about that format um sort of the uh, mystery science theater format where it's like watch the movie with us in real time and we'll make comments and i you know personally i kind of think that that's a difficult format one because you have to watch the movie which isn't always free mm-hmm. to appreciate it and also it's difficult to like enjoy a movie or even evaluate a movie when people are making comments throughout the whole thing yeah for you know for me with with like you know i've got little kids with like limited time the idea of like watching a movie and then like watching the movie again with the commentary is like it, it's never going to happen <laughs> for me. Right. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't consume that sort of media. So um, we felt that that was probably what we wanted to like ask other people to do. So instead we are picking a movie that relates to a topic that we've already discussed. So the idea would be that you can listen to um, this episode. We're going to, uh, I think we're going to repost the episode that this relates to, which is, werewolves from a couple of years ago during Halloween. Uh, and in that episode, 
we discuss several legends from history that kind of led up to the modern conception of the werewolf. One of the legends that we discuss was a, a pretty famous um, legend from France about the beast of Gévaudan, mm. which was um, to just kind of, we'll, we'll kind of like intersperse references to that episode as we're talking here, but you definitely want to watch, or I'm sorry, listen to that episode and then maybe watch this movie. Um, this is one where it's yeah, like, I, I'm not going to tell you to watch it. I'm not going to tell you not to watch it. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a movie from 2001 and it very much feels like it. It's very like the residual effect of nineties action movies. But at that time yes. after the matrix where a lot of the fight scenes have these like high speed moments where oh, they do like yeah. time remapping where it's like time ramping and then suddenly it's real slow. Um, the martial arts are pretty good. Yeah. It. Like the fighting is actually really practical and like down to earth, whereas the sound effects are goofy as fuck. And it's in French. Yes. So Joe and I both watch the American or the sorry, the English language dub, and the acting is just ass. I definitely, if you are going to watch this movie, the one strong recommendation that I'm going to make is that you watch the French language version with English subtitles. Because they're yeah, and if you're gonna do that soon, that that version is free on yes. Amazon, whereas the English English dub is two ninety nine. Yes, so. us dumbasses had to pay for it. Um, <laughs> you, I think you have a better experience. There are some very good famous actors in this movie, um, mm-hmm. but I guess we mm-hmm. should uh, kind of you know we've we've, we've been kind of beating around the proverbial bush here. You might say we've been running around the countryside of Javadon searching for this beast uh, without saying the name of the movie. The movie is called Brotherhood of the Wolf, which Mm -hmm. uh, in French was Le Pacte de Loup. I would say that there are parts of this movie that I did enjoy. Like I didn't, Oh, oh, yes. I did not hate watching this movie. In fact, I've watched this movie twice. No, no, my, my review would be that, um, like the, the the fighting is good, although the action sequencing is dated. It's um, definitely of its era of American yes, action films. It's also two and a half hours long and could have been an hour and a half and been fine. It's it's like an hour too long. It is far too long. That that we agree on. Um, yeah, like you you could have either cut a couple like needless fight scenes or a couple needless boob scenes. It's definitely so. Pick your poison there. It's definitely. Um, oh, that brings up something I wanted to mention. It's definitely doing a lot of like period drama, which I think is actually like. I I can't speak to how historically accurate this movie is in terms of like the costuming and the um, the procedures of court and things like that, but it's certainly supposed to be a certain period of time. Um, which we'll we'll get at in a minute, but but before we really get too far into the plot of the movie, which I think we should sort of cover the plot and comment on it as we go. The one thing I will say is that very late in the movie. Speaking of things that could be cut out, there is a, a very unnecessary scene of sexual assault. 
So if you uh, between you, a brother and sister, yes, which is a subplot that is introduced out of nowhere. Is that foreshadowed at all? No, no, it's not foreshadowed at all. The 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 fate of the brother, I think, is pretty heavily foreshadowed. But yes. that aspect, not foreshadowed well, at all. It came up, and I and I remember thinking like. Oh, were there context clues that I missed, or did this just suddenly happen? It just suddenly happened. Like I said, I watched the movie twice, and I actually, I think I had put it out of my mind that that happens. It doesn't advance the plot. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't have any bearing on the, the end of the movie, um, except maybe to make no. you like hate the villain more or something. But I mean, you yeah, already, like, the, like the villain is evil, but not because of that. I didn't like he's evil regardless. It's very unnecessary. It de- they definitely like could have cut it out. I, I I very much wish that it wasn't in this movie. But but just to our listeners, like if you if you decide that you are going to watch this movie and that's something that's going to be um, troubling for you at all, then then I would I would say don't uh, don't watch this or, or maybe like. um you know, have someone like a friend or family that you trust, like help you skip that part. Cause it, it truly does not have any bearing on the the plot of the film. No, but um, when it does start to happen, you'll see it coming. Like you'll be able to stop. It's just, it itself, it yes. doesn't make any sense in the plot, but it's not like it's, it's, it, it, it you'll know it's coming. Yeah. Ex- yeah. That, that's um, a good point. So, and well, yeah, we don't, I don't want to dwell on that, but, let, let's sure let's can, can i can you say one other thing joe um, yes. i found a roger roger ebert uh review of this movie and i think he describes it perfectly and how i felt about it except for the fact that he gave it three out of four stars people liked this movie when we filmed this well, episode know. about um about werewolves and i went to talk about it i looked this up and i was expecting people to like say like this is this is kind of this movie is dog shit no, it has a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. It so, is the fifth Roger, highest grossing French language film in history. When I said that that it's very of the time and the fight sequences are very like late 90s, early 2000s, Roger Ebert said he, he said the film resembled, quote, an explosion at the genre factory. Oh, which I absolutely. think is pretty apt. But then, he, but then he said, I would be lying if I did not admit that this is all in its absurd and overheated way, entertaining. And I think that that's also true. That is a 100% apt description of this movie. It is... Yes, but he gave it three out of four stars. Yeah. Like that, that's, I read once that um, Rolling Stone magazine, other magazines like got accused of, I think when they review music, they get paid to give certain star ratings. So you might see a review that's like four out of five and the review is just like scathing. And like, that doesn't make sense. It's because... They get paid by uh, like record companies to not um, to like not totally destroy the image of a band, so they uh-huh. can write whatever they want. But they know people will like scan through and like look at the stars, or those like star ratings get pr- printed on other things. So it doesn't always go together. So it made me wonder if he gave it three out of four, but that's not exactly indicative of his review. It's interesting. I mean, I guess that sort of makes sense, but I mean, nonetheless, it is is apt. He he's right. This is many genres packed into one movie. It is at the same time, it's um, a period drama. It tries to be that there's a lot of long sequences where it's like, what are people doing at court? Things like that. It is a kind of a horror movie. 
Um, kind of. It's a horror movie in the same way that like Blade is a horror movie. It feels a lot like the like the first Blade movie. Well, at the very beginning, at the first half of the movie, before you see the monster, I would say it's more of a horror movie because they don't show the uh, monster. The CG is very bad. And so the CG is terrible. Once you see the monster, it's like not at all scary anymore. Um, I would, that that's a fault of most movies. I, I, yeah. I am of the opinion that like I had some friends that were were going to be hired to direct a um, like a, a Lovecraft adaptation, and they they asked for my opinion on it, and I said, "Well, is it one of the Lovecraft stories? It's most of them where at the end you see the monster and go instantly mad." And they said, "Oh yeah, absolutely." And I was like, "Okay, so the guy who's writing the screenplay, he's not going to show the monster." He's like, "Oh no, he wants to show the monster." I was like, "Well, that doesn't work." You can't. And they ended up agreeing with me to a point where they didn't take the job. You can't. So yeah. it is a fault. Yeah, like Insidious is a great example. Insidious is great until Darth Maul pops up at the end. <laughs> not scary. Yeah. So this is kind of like that. It's also um, there's it's a like a swashbuckling action adventure, and then it is a mm-hmm. martial arts film, and that kind of brings us to like one of the things that I also like sort of want to talk about before we like, well, let's talk about it as we get into the plot. So sure. uh, before we begin um, this film um, made, uh, it was released on January 31st, 2001. Again, it was filmed in France um, produced in France. It was, had a budget of $29 million. It made $71 million. Yeah. So it did, it did fine. It stars um, Samuel Le Bihan, Vincent Cassell, Emile Decane, Monica Bellucci, who is who is currently dating um, Tim Burton. Oh, okay. as I discovered today. Okay, yeah. um, she was in the Matrix films at around this time, um, so she was Correct. like sort of having a a moment. Um, and uh, Jeremy Renier and Mark DeCascos, who plays a Iroquois. Native American, um, you will, if you are familiar with Mark Dacascos, you will know that he is, um, you know, not Iroquois. No, no, he's not. Although I will say he is um, from Hawaii. And um, I believe he does have some uh, Native Hawaiian ancestry. So. Yes. Um but it's also, one of those things where, he, like, if you're going to cast someone to be a member of the Mohawk Nation, you, I feel like you can get someone other than Mark Cascos. It, it says that his, um, I think his father was uh, from the Philippines and his mother is Irish and Japanese. Um, I He is not cast because of his background no he is cast because he is a accomplished martial artist and i will say even though i think he's also like he's ripped yes i will say even though his part in the movie is other than the scene that i mentioned earlier his part in the movie and the like his storyline is by far the most problematic part of this film oh god yes like by a a very long shot he is the best part of this movie like bar none oh yeah Yes, it's funny to me because like the martial arts are really good, and I'm I'm evaluating that as someone who yeah. grew up in a martial arts family and taught for many years. I don't know if we've ever talked about that in the podcast, but my we my have father ran a martial arts studio for like 50 years. I taught there for over a decade, um, 
the the martial arts in this movie are very well done and understated. It's not like a, a crouching tiger sort of mm-hmm. thing or like a matrix thing with everything is like over the top. It's very down to earth. The yeah. sequencing and the high speed shot stuff is really weird, but um and I'd also say there's a scene. They do too much of like, the bullet the, time the, stuff, but I will say yes. that this was just before the era of action films where they did the uh, the born identity ruined everything where you cannot see what's happening. You cannot tell what the fuck is happening in the action scene. Oh, it's the Liam Neeson movies when you cast a guy who's like 70 in a fight scene. <laughs> everything in this movie is like you can tell who's kicking whom. It looks really cool. Mm-hmm. It's badass. I did love those parts of the movie. There's a scene where um, a bunch of French noblemen are talking to the like kind of the main character who's sort of like this Marta Casco's characters like um sort of uh they consider each other brothers there's a backstory there they're not actually brothers but um and he says something to Marta Casco's who he you know in the movie again is is a native american he says um are you able to breed with our race of women Marta Casco's says all women are the same color when the candles are out and i was like boom yeah, it was pretty. Cool. Um, it was a pretty cold, cold it, line. It's a pretty, pretty cold line. Uh, it's the only line I can remember because, again, most of the dialogue is ass. Very much so. Okay, so I think we can get more into certain plot elements. There's like, there's a couple things I don't want to like shit on certain things, but there's a couple like a movie mistake things that I want to get into. But let's just go over the mm-hmm. plot and we'll talk about how. Yeah. Or should we talk about the real story of the Beast of Jevajon real quick? Let's talk about the real story because then we can talk about how the plot kind of goes all over the place. Okay. So, um, the beast of Jevadon, Le Bête du Jevadon, uh, also in Occitan, which is, um, a language that was still spoken at this time. La Bestia de Jevadon was a legend of some kind of man-eating animal that terrorized mm-hmm. the province of Jevadon, which is the modern day areas of Lozère and Haute Loire, L O I R E. My French is very bad, but this is this are these are in the mountains, mm-hmm. which they do film. There's a lot of mountainous sequences that I think if you were not paying attention, you'd be like, "Wait, is this Ireland?" Uh, especially at the beginning of the movie, yeah. like sweeping shots of things. But it is filmed in France. Um. The uh, Marjorie Mountains, uh, and this took place in the three-year the reign of terror of this this quote unquote beast was from 1764 to 1767. So the area was all like it was one small province, and um, there were. This gets wrapped up in a lot of a cryptozoology, which they kind of lean into in the movie when you finally realize what the monster is but like there's mm-hmm. been um things like you know in modern times where people have said like maybe it was a hyena or a lion or an actual werewolf um the uh the actual like king of france did send people to try to hunt this thing noblemen uh you know spent a lot of money um the number of victims was supposed to be something like 113 deaths and 49 injuries. But the thing is, like, we don't really know 
So, um, supposedly the first attack was in the summer of 1764. A young woman um, saw a beast who was like a wolf, yet not a wolf, and attacked her but did not kill her. Um, and then, and, and then I think that's that, kind of what's portrayed at the beginning of the movie because this is supposed to take place yes. in 1764. Although that also, lady got fucking eaten. Yeah, she got she got killed real good. I also just remembered that Marta Cascos was the chairman in Iron Chef America. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Let me like I don't want if anyone like to, has a takeaway from this episode, like please don't let it be that I don't want Mark Cascos. I want him to be in everything. I just. He's, He's great. Yeah. He does not look like he does not look like a mohawk. No, they just kind of gave him a haircut that they thought would be convincing and let it let it sort of be there. Yeah, and there was a lot of like mysticism stuff that was like very cringe, as the kids say. But but yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so then then there was a bunch of um, attacks where you know some people were supposedly eaten and things like that. Um, then, you know, the, the, uh, legend started to grow, um, the, uh, Bishop of Men, Gabriel Florent, uh, also who is the Count of Gévaudan, which kind of is the, the origin, like, one of the characters in the film, um, because this all gets tied in with, like, uh, the Catholic Church and everything. Mm-hmm. Started a call for prayers to to you know pr- you know save us from this beast. Um, so these attacks continue. Eventually, um, the king actually sent troops into Jevadon to which again you see in the film. So it does it is like historically accurate in in at several points. It's just like at the macro scale. It's like the details is like, eh, yeah. It's obviously oh yeah, it's a, yeah. Macro, it's pretty, it's pretty accurate. Obviously, it's a drama. Um, so you know there were the, there were these big hunts with uh, bloodhounds and everything. Um, eventually there was a, a father and son team. So this is a little bit different from this this character that happens in the movie. Um, came uh, who were trained in wolf hunting. So over four months in the movie, it's like two days. Um, they started just killing a shit ton of wolves. (laughs) So at this point in history, where there's a scene where they're like riding horses and shooting blanks at a pack of wolves. Yeah. Wolves seem generally distressed. And that, that also was another scene that sort of bothered me in the movie. That also bothered me as well. Um, I think those were probably wolf dogs. Like, or like wolf hybrids, don't you think? Either way, but they were they were definitely freaked out. No, no, I didn't know. I didn't like it yeah. at all. Um, anyway, they um, so they start killing a bunch of wolves. Um, wolves are quite common in in France still at this point. Mm. Um, that that's that's a real thing. Um, so you know, eventually, um. Cut to uh, a couple years later, um, they killed a large wolf and had it stuffed. And then they brought the stuffed wolf to Versailles um, for it to be displayed 
to the king. But then and they show this in the movie too, they, don't they? This is this is a major plot point of the mm-hmm. film. But then the attack sort of continued after that, so clearly it wasn't this wolf, this this extra large wolf that um, was uh, was the the killer. Uh, so the populace sort of like, you know, was they thought this is over, but then there were more attacks. Um, there was a letter that was sent. We no longer hear of anything related to the beast, but then there was you know more attacks. Um, and eventually, the quote-unquote creature was supposedly killed by Jean Chastel, who I think is supposed to be the archetype of the uh, Gregoire de... Uh, what is, geez, what's his name? I During the whole film, I was like, this guy's name is Balzac. <laughs> I kept thinking Balzac too. Okay, what is his name? Okay, it's not just it, me. It, it's um. Hold on, I gotta like find his name is Fronsac. Fronsac. Yeah, but, but the I whole thing figuring... was like it's Balzac. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm a child. That was that's the name of the town in uh, Rocco's Modern Life. It's the town next door. It's yep. called Balzac. Yep. <laughs> oh, but, sorry. So Jean Jean Chassel was a local hunter. Um, who shot a wolf at the slopes of Mont Moshe, which is again the the mountain peak that is referenced in the film um, during a hunt with uh, the Marquis d'Apche, which is also a character who is also a character in the film um, in uh, June 1767. So then there's this um, this oral tradition that he said his prayers right before it, like at his um uh right before he shot the wolf and then he used these large caliber bullets um that he melted down from virgin mary metals but these are all a later literary invention from the end of the 1800s so none of this was recorded at the time so it's all it, so the, sure. the thing is this all became like part of a a legendary tradition that actually like leads directly into why folks wanted to make a film about this, an action film. Yeah. So now let's um kind of briefly go through the synopsis of the film. So the during the French Revolution, the the bookends of the film are the Marquis de Apcher, who is in his elder years at the beginning of the film. And he's being, he's finishing his memoirs and mm-hmm. his, you know, his, his um, valet comes in and he's like, we have to leave, you know, we have to go. And he's like, no, I have to finish, bring, bring me the candles. I got to finish my memoirs. Like I'm not going to leave. And my glass of wine. And that's right. And my customer glass of wine. And the, <laughs> the, the, the dub is like super bad. So it's, Right in that oh, first scene, so you're like, I feel like maybe I should be watching the French language version, but because uh, mm-hmm. the voice, act- voice actors, I'm sorry, folks, you did bad. You should feel bad. Um, mm. At the end of the film, he is brought down to the guillotine during the French Revolution, but the whole time he's kind of like, times are changing. I'm rich fuck. I kind of deserve this. People are like looking for new leadership. Like I can't be mad about it. 
But I got to get these memoirs yep. written down so people learn about the the Beast of Javadon and my my cool ass friend. I hope he's out there somewhere. Yeah. So, so um, then it cuts back to 1764. This is the beginning of the actual historical period um, mm-hmm. where this beast is uh, attacking the countryside in Javadon. Gregoire de Fronsac, who is played by uh, Samuel Lebihan, who I will say aged quite well. Yeah. He's still, uh, he's still, he's a still good-looking guy. He's a stri- striking guy. How old is he now? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. He is dun, 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 57. I do like this character because he starts off and he's like, he's kind of portrayed. So he's the royal, I'm sorry. He's the royal naturalist to the king, uh, Louis the 15th. Um, so he's like, works in the king's gardens. And so he's kind of like portrayed at the beginning of the film as like kind of this dandy fop, but he's like kind of like a, he's like a real ladies man, an intellectual. Mm. Uh, and then like and he's also sort of like a um, like a debunker. Like he's got yeah. like got this attitude of uh, like all of this is hokum. I'm going to he's he's of a scientific mind at a time when that is becoming more common. Yeah, they were described to him often, or he describes himself even several times as a libertine. Yeah, a libertine, a naturalist. Yeah, he's part of the... Philosopher. A people, philosopher. People call him those things. Yes. Um, they call him a healer at one point, because basically he understands what epilepsy is. Right, right. Um, so, but that's a whole other thing. So they arrive, and he is there with his Iroquois companion, Mani, I will say at one point during the movie, they describe Mani as being uh, part of the Mohawk tribe. And this is one of these areas where they clearly did not have anyone who is uh, Native American um, consulting on this film. Because in France at the time, uh, the, the Mohawk tribe was not like no one knew what that was in France at the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like obviously it was a group of people, but in France, they knew every, everyone from that region as Iroquois. So that's one area where I don't know if they I don't know why they chose to add that detail, but that's not like something that would have been discussed at the time. Um so Fransac yeah. becomes immediately he gets there and he gets the hots. For Marianne de Moranja, the daughter of the local count, who has a really creepy brother. And I think the voice acting does not do him justice because I think the voice actor makes him sound like creepier than he's supposed to be at the beginning of the movie. So, yeah, like, so he's very, he's, he's like real. Obviously, there's, there's something weird about him, but he has one non-functional arm because it was mangled by a lion when he was in Africa is the, uh, is the story. Um, so he's got, he's trying to, um, court the, the count's daughter, but while this is happening, he also is banging prostitutes. I guess like got like a friends with benefits situation with Sylvia 
who is an Italian and in, in the, if you don't watch the um, English version, like she actually speaking Italian, but if you watch the English dubbed version, you, you can't tell like what language anyone is speaking. Uh, it's just all in English. I didn't realize that. Um, but, but she is played by Monica Bellucci, who is a, a situation, very beautiful one. Yeah. She also is um, sort of portrayed as like having this weird um, kind of connection between sexuality and violence. Yeah, there's a knife involved in the the sort of like major um, sex scene that happens like early on in the movie. It's all very like early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. I would say it's like a lot, like a lot of sort of like gratuitous nudity. Like I'm not a prude, but it's like it's it's there for like. I don't know that it really like advances the story at all because like she be, she's an important character, but it's later on in the movie. There's a scene where, um, the, uh, the Duchess, I guess, uh, Marianne is, you know, mad at Fronsac because he's been like stepping out on her, even though they're not like, they're not really, they're not a thing. They're not dating. Right. Right. And then he's like really offended, but it's like, dude, you feel like you've literally been boning a prostitute. Like, I don't. She's kind of right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like the 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 nudity is like, oh, it's fine at first, and then eventually it gets to be like, I don't know, consistent enough that it's it feels really weird and forced. Like at first, it's like, oh, they're trying to paint the picture of what this brothel's like. And then eventually it was like, no, I get, I get it. So there's a lot of like court drama at this point. Um, it's kind of like just setting the scene of like what this era is like. This is where they, you know, kind of established that he, um, so this is a scene where they're having a dinner party and Dave texted me yesterday, like, what's the deal with this? And then like a few yeah, minutes later, Oh, it really okay. got me. Oh, okay. <laughs> he pulls out this, um, he's describing like, and I was in, you know, America, and uh or well or the uh new france he calls it which uh, at this point in time the french and indian war had just ended with the defeat of france Mm -hmm. and now um the you know eastern what is now the eastern united states um becomes uh you know fully in british control so anyway right um he talks about like i found a fish that was hairy and everyone's like, he calls it a furry, a furry trout, a furry trout. And then he, everyone's like, oh, you know, you're just like, you're joshing us. And then he's like, Manny, bring me the fish. And he hands him the whip it out. <laughs> whip out my furry whip fish. Out the, the furry trout. <laughs> my, that's what I call it too. My furry. trout. <laughs> so then he hands him like the wooden box and he opens up and it's like, a, they, someone made a prop. It was someone's job to, to Take, I don't think it's even a trout. That's not what a trout looks like. It's too like wide. Uh, but it's like a f- yeah, fish yeah. covered in like black fur. And then he's like, No, I'm just kidding. I made this from uh this is just taxidermy, but I had you had you fooled, which is why you shouldn't believe fairy tales about werewolves, you dumb you dumb country yokels. It's kind of an effective scene, except that like nobody gets upset. It feels like somebody should have gotten upset. No, they aren't. They're like, oh, yeah, you did. You got us. We're dumb out here in the yeah. country. But they're supposed to be like, there's often where they're talking about like these provincials. 
like these country yokels, but they're like in a fucking castle. Like they're like the aristocrats. They just happen to like not be in Paris anyway. Hmm. So then they go to investigate um, the next victim and they find a fang that's made out of steel. So this is also when CSI was extra was at like the the height of its popularity in the US. So do you notice there's a lot of like forensic drama in this movie? Oh yeah, a lot of it. So he does like an autopsy on um again the victim is like it's a naked woman that's like a little bit like very very uncomfortable, but like he finds a steel fang. And that's his first clue that this is not just a regular wolf. Um then they find a uh, a child who had been um who had managed to escape the beast and claims to have seen a, a human with the beast. Um so then eventually the they're they're not getting where they're not finding the beast and there's like a really long sequence where frankly like not a lot of that's really important happens um the guy who is the um one of the like a soldier they organize this big wolf hunt like Dave talked about at the beginning where they just like murder a shit ton of wolves but then the attacks keep happening so they eventually tell that guy like you're dismissed uh, the kings recalled you, but then he's there in a later scene. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. Like, wait, know. you got sent back to the, you know, like back to the the barracks, but then he's just like hanging out later. At the the timing, like I couldn't figure out if everything took place in like two days or like a week or it was well, the, it was it was weird. They say at one point, Marianne says at one point, like you've only been here for three months, you expect to like solve all the problems, and and he. <laughs> And Fransac is like, I mean, kind of, yeah, I did. I'm really smart and very charming. I mean, if it was three months, they glazed over a lot of stuff. Well, they do try to show the 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 passage of time because it's like kind of gray and fall when they get there. And then it's it's clearly like winter. It's snowing. Anyway, eventually, um, they're not able to kill the beast. Like nothing, you know, the attacks are still happening. So the king sends his weapons master the Lord de Botan, who is like kind of an old dude, but he's supposed to be like really badass. And there's that's the scene you're talking about, Dave, where he's taking a bath. Right. And then he gets like grabby with the uh I don't know, the maid the, I maid, I guess, that's um like bringing his chambermaid. Yeah, that's bringing his yeah. bath water. And it's like I think it's just intended to like show that he's a bad dude, but it's like I don't know. You could like, you already kind kind of got the idea that he's kind of a dickhead before that. Yeah, like it, it. It was moments like that that made me wonder. Like, is there a larger commentary in this movie? And I don't think that there is. But I don't know. People were, yeah, portrayed as evil where that really wasn't the plot. Yeah, I mean, there was like they. I don't know. Obviously, like the men are very misogynistic. They are absolutely terrible to the Native American. And there is a scene where the one part I did like all the like mysticism with Manny it was like it was very um, exploitative, especially given that the actor is not actually a member of the uh, Mohawk Nation, right? 
But sure. um, but what the part that I did actually think was was interesting because it re- did relate to like real history at the time was that part that you were talking about earlier, like, oh, can you breed with our women? And uh, Frontex was like, yes, I met many people when I was in New France uh, that uh, were um, Native American that did take um, French wives or, you know, they were, were, I met people that, you know, married and produced children. So we are all the same species. Which is like, and this hammers home the fact that like this is the naturalist yeah, which, like lesson, which here. feels very like weird to talk about. But like at that point in history, literally, your white Europeans thought that human beings of different quote races were different species, and obviously that mm-hmm. idea persisted long after that. But there were some people at the time which were beginning to say that. That's not the case. Um, and obviously now we know that the diff- the differences between uh, quote-unquote races are extremely superficial, especially when we look at things well, like we, gen- we know that, genetics. Well, well, we know that race, as we've said before, the idea of it, it being a social construct, that there are no separate races. Right. There's just um, genetic, like very, very minor genetic differences. Yeah, so I think they were like trying to get at that like historical historical discussion, but again, everything like that in this movie is done in like in a very ham-fisted way. And there's times where the movie is like being trying to be far more cerebral than it needs to be for like a swashbuckling action movie. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like maybe it, it, those those storylines could have been done well. I just don't really think they were they just kind of end up being like when you watch it 20 years later they just end up being like pretty cringe as the kids would say mm-hmm. so the thing is we're only about like it's only about like now you're about two-thirds of the way through the movie where like there's kind of like a lot it's very slow and then it all just happens all at once and it's yep. very confusing so mm-hmm. if you're listening and you're like jesus christ they're like a quarter of the way through me no We've covered two thirds of the movie, then just like shit hits the fan. Okay, right. So then they send the king's like weapons master. Like I said, um, he kills a big wolf, and he's like, "Hey, Fransac, that's the beast." Fransac's like, "It's definitely not." I measured the bite marks on some of the victims, and its head is at least twice as big as this. And he's like, "No." You don't understand. That's the monster. I need you to taxidermy it to be that big and say that it's a monster and then get your ass back to Paris because the king is like, I'm done dealing with this. This is like what the um, what happened supposedly happened in the uh, autopsy room or the operation room when JFK was shot. Oh, really? Well, so there was some I'm not a conspiracy theorist about this kind of stuff at all, but there was a um, there was a reinvestigation of the JFK assassination that happened in the late '90s that was initiated yeah. by the Clinton administration. Right, and in that investigation, there was a uh, the X-ray technician. He claimed that um, he was ordered to doctor the X-rays to show different types of bullet shards 
in the the cavity in Kennedy's head because there is a theory that um that a secret service agent that was holding an uh, an assault rifle in the car behind Kennedy which is true there is a photo of this incidentally was the extra shooter because when they went forward real fast to try to get away they think the gun went off and the idea is that there was a secret service cover-up um there is a there's a documentary i think we talked about this once before but there's a documentary called jfk the smoking gun it's Mm -hmm. it's actually really interesting but like what was interesting to me was like what i just said about that x-ray technician that all came out during the clinton administration that is actual I'm not saying it actually happened, but it's what that guy actually did say under oath. Yeah, I, um, well, I've mentioned in this podcast a couple of times I used to be, and I'm talking like in high school, used to be like deeply into these conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And I watched that documentary, I read all those books, and I was very into this. Uh, so I, I'm very familiar with that. Um, mm-hmm investigation i guess so this is what happens so then the key goes back to paris and he's definitely like okay i guess i gotta do this so there's this long like scene where he's like in his fancy coat but he's like cutting up bloody wolf and like taking out its uh entrails and stuff and he makes this like honestly like pretty badass looking like wolf but it's like a red face that he's dyed red and it looks you know he oh messes with the jaw to make it look like it's Jaw is really big, and then it goes back to Paris, and they reveal it, and everyone's like, <gasps> you know, all the all the the people gasp at this. Um, the Beast of Jevedon right. has finally been slain. Um, mm-hmm. So he uh, he he goes back to Paris, but while he's there, he finally like. And, and does he have his falling out with Marianne before he goes back to Paris? I don't remember. He does because he does. he's That's leaving right. and then that other dude comes and tells That's him to right. come back because the beast is there. That's right. He's like, um, well, I gotta like, you know, I gotta go like try to, you know, say goodbye to my lady. You know, he's been like you know, courting her for the whole time. This is this is the Duchess Marianne. Um, but then uh her her brother, uh Jean Francois, uh he's well, you realize later that he snuck into the brothel and stole the new drawing that he drew of, cause he's, he's drawing these, uh, he, he's making these paintings the entire time. Cause in addition to all this, all these talents, and he's also an artist. Um, this nude painting that he had created of, of Sylvia, Monica Belushi's character. And Marianne is holding that. Like, I can't believe you. And then he's like really offended, but it's like, dude, you did paint that. <laughs> Yeah. Like like that's a real thing you did. If this was modern era, he would be like, "Yo, girl, I didn't I, I didn't think we were exclusive." Sam, I didn't realize. I think that Monica Bellucci and um Vincent Cassell were married at the time. Oh, okay. Well, that's actually kind of weird given the the plot and the their characters. Yeah, they they were married Married from 1999 to 2013. Because Vincent Cassell is the the France Jean Francois, the the brother, the creepy brother character. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, he goes back to so he's like scorned. You know, he's falling out with his love interest. 
he goes back to France, but in France, back in Paris, he has his, oh, and he gets, he talks to, um, like a, a nobleman uh, or a, I'm sorry, like a, um, a, uh, representative of the King. That's like, we found this book that people have been distributing, but we are censoring this book. That's like, uh, you know, um, in opposition to the King. And um, this is when uh, Fransac realizes that the beast is actually an instrument of a secret society, the Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is trying to, like, which is part of this conspiracy to undermine the king related to this, like, tract that the the king's men are trying to, like, uh, censor. Mm-hmm. So what then he's going to get sent to Africa because he's always wanted to go to Africa. And the this representative of the king is like, hey, dude, play ball and you get to go on your trip to Africa. You're going to leave six months like don't right. fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. So then he's going to he's getting ready to get on the boat. But then um, his friend, the the Marquis d'Apcher, who is the the character who kind of you know, bookends the story. Who's like the narrator character shows up and is like, Hey, you know, the beast is still killing people. Like we didn't get it. And he's like initially resistant, but then he decides, yeah, he's going to go back. And there's a cool scene where Manny like drops down from the, uh, the crow's nest of the ship, like real badass. Like again, we're like two thirds of the way through movie. So just strap in. Are, are you all ready? Here we go. <laughs> Right. So they go back to Jevedon, uh, attacks by the beast are still continuing. Franzak goes and he has a meeting with Marianne where he explains himself. He's like, girl, I'm in love with you. She's just my side piece. Okay. That is literally his explanation. That is also her explanation to the Duchess. She shows up oh, at a church and is basically right. like, He's like, that's that's her explanation to her as it well. Literally and somehow is, it 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 works. It literally is her explanation. She shows up in the church in this like black, like ornate, like kind of goth gown, and it's like, hey, I know you're really mad at him, but we're just fucking. <laughs> he loves yep. he loves you, and I'm only barely paraphrasing. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, oh okay. It explains everything. <laughs> um, so then they they get together, Marianne and Fransac, and the beast attacks. And this is finally you see it. It's bad she bad CGI. It looks like it's like a saber toothed cat with like metal spikes on it. It, ha- um, it has like armor yeah, on it. Yeah, it looks like um if you're a man of my age uh, and you ha- remember the uh, Dino Rider toy line was, is like that. It's like a saber-toothed mm. cat from Dino Riders. Look it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's that's a lot what it's like. So the beast does not attack her, though. Like, it's going in for the kill. He can't save her, but then it sniffs her, and then it runs away. A clue. Um, a clue. Yeah. So then... Um, Fransac, Mani, and the Marquis decide that they're going to go hunt the beast, 
first they do target practice in the courtyard with some pumpkins. There's one of the, they're shooting the pumpkins with these various like kinds of like flintlock pistols, but they shoot one of the pumpkins with like these like blunderbusses and they explode. But then he shoots one of them with like a lower caliber pistol. And do you remember the scene? And then it just like oozes like pumpkin pudding, like out of the hole that it makes. Yeah, it's it's a very goofy sequence. It's like, have you ever cut into a pumpkin? It's as if they needed a training montage. They were like, I don't know, I don't know why they even had that in well, there. Well, when they're explo- they make a point to talk about like guns aren't very common. And- yeah, well, when they're exploding the pumpkins, it's like whatever that makes that's fine. I don't know how common pumpkins were in France in 1767. I will say that, but then they shoot the pumpkin and it, like it looks like it's like pumpkin colored like whipped cream spurts out of it and it's like again like i urge you to like it's halloween i urge you to like cut open a pumpkin and look at what's inside of it it does not look like that anyway so then um they set up these traps and then it turns into predator for for like five minutes where they've set all these Mm -hmm. traps for the beast they almost capture it it escapes uh, it bites the Marquis and drags him around on his right arm. Later on in the movie, his left arm is what is bandaged. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> it's fine. No one yeah. was paying this much attention to this movie at this point. I just seen it twice. No. Uh, Manny goes off alone to fight it, which is seems like a bad idea. He finds this like creepy catacomb, which is clearly the uh, the Brotherhood's hideout, and then he gets like super outnumbered. He whoops a bunch of ass with his tomahawk until he gets shot in the back. Yeah, there are mo- there are scenes in this movie where he like fights ten dudes and is like fine. Yeah, it happens like three times. Yeah, but then like he gets like shot in the back, like um, you know, su- by surprise. Then they like dump his body. Fransack does an autopsy on his friend and finds a silver bullet, which this is when you realize, like, as the viewer, you start to put it together. Because earlier in the movie, uh, Jean, right. uh, Jean-Francois, uh, in a hunting scene, says, like, oh, I only use... Or it's not a hunting scene. He, he actually shoots a guy in the back that's going to kill Manny. Yeah, and... and- in this like cage match said, thing that they're doing. Yeah, and he says something to him like, Oh, silver bullets, or you are you're something like you're superstitious. And he says something like, No, but I like to engrave my bullets. Like basically he's his excuse is like I, I got custom bullets. Yeah, he's like, I like to sign my shots. Um That's what that's what it was. Yeah, and so yeah, they're like, oh that, yeah. So it's like it's his calling card. Yeah, so they're like they're doing like the werewolf lore, right? They're trying to incorporate this like silver bullets, but they're kind of reversing it, right? Because because he's in charge of the werewolf. Werewolf spoiler alert. Hmm. So, uh, so and then this is when he realizes that this is. So now Fransack realizes what's going on. So this is when shit hit, shit hits the fan. Up until this point in the movie, he's been kind of like he does some badass things. When he's like shooting the guns and you're like, wait a second. But he's been like kind of like a dandy up at this point. Then he runs into the catacombs and just like murders a ton of dudes. 
Yeah. With with martial arts and like gun fu. And it's like, wait, where was this before? You should have followed your friend in there. Maybe he'd not be maybe he wouldn't be dead. True. But then he gets but maybe, um, maybe he wouldn't like he wouldn't unleash his fury unless he got That's super true. Pissed. Yeah, he, he had to get really pissed. Yeah, he goes into the hideout. Uh, there's also like a um, aroma slash gypsy subplot, which is like the Brotherhood of the Wolf is basically gypsies. It's very, and I'm using the terminology of the movie. It's another one of these things where it's like, that's pretty problematic. But anyway, then he gets captured after, like I said, just murdering a shit ton of dudes. Uh, and he gets um, imprisoned. Sylvia, Monica Belushi's character, the courtesan, visits him um, and reveals that she's a spy for the the Holy See, which is like the they're like the spies of the Vatican. Is that yeah 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 that's, yeah she works for the Pope. So she explains that the the local priest who you've met but hasn't been like a really major character. This is where like the whole plot kind of comes together and you're like, wait, who's this guy? Who's this guy? He names a bunch of people at the end of the movie where he's like, you and you and you. I'm going to kick all your ass. I'm going to kill you. And you're like, who's this fucking guy? Who is this fucking guy? I don't know who any of these fucking guys are. Yeah, the, the problem is when people wear powdered wigs, they all kind of look like the same dirty yeah. old man. And I think this is where really like the voice acting and the dub really bogs down because you're like, I they don't I no idea who any of these guys are because they don't have like you can't tell who's talking in some of the bigger right. group scenes. Anyway, mm-hmm. Henri Sardis, who is the local priest, he is the leader of the Brotherhood. He thinks that he is and he's the one that's been um, producing these tracts all over France that is criticizing the king. Um, He thinks that he's trying to restore worship of God to France. But the Pope is like, I'm not into that. You don't speak for me. So he has sent Sylvia to eliminate him. So then she poisons Franzac, which is like, wait, what? But she then says, oh, you know, you know too much. You know too much. And it's like, oh, okay, this is really weird. They have a very like a complicated relationship between these two. Yeah, but I'm not gonna lie. I didn't love Marianne. I kind of oh, wa- no. I kind of wanted him to like you should you two should just run off together. Like yeah yeah no absolutely she seems like she's a lot more fun. I feel like he does. I feel like he deserved her. I mean, all the knives and the poisoning. It's not going to get boring. I just feel like he was like, I think he was like, hey, need, I need to go for the the Duke's daughter because that's like what I'm supposed to do as an, like kind of an aristocrat. I just feel like, you know. Yeah, she's, but, she's like the, she's the conquest. But you have to, like, you should go, you should follow your heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's fine. Yeah. I don't think his heart is what he's following, but well, yeah, well, that's know. true. They haven't following something, but you know. Anyway, anyway, get off. His off. little Frenchman, <laughs> little Napoleon. He was Henri. He was following his beast of Javadon. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he got that. Yeah. He got that dog in him. 
petit general, right? With the little little general. So we yeah. Got that dog. I sent Joe a picture of a t-shirt. You know when you go to like a, a Target or a Walmart and there's like the Kirkland's hot dog and it's always like the same picture from 1996? Yes. It just had that. I'm, I'm describing it to the to the listener because I know you saw it. Um, it had that Well, because picture. when you send things to Joe, then sometimes Joe sends things to me. Sometimes you just cut out the middleman and send it directly to me, but... Oh, yeah, no, no, this was, I saw it and I sent it directly to you. It was just a, p- a picture of a hot dog with the Kirkland's logo. It's an exact image you see at a Walmart, and it just says, I got that dog in me. And I want that shirt so much. Uh, one, one more, <laughs> one more before we end here. He's, uh, he's thinking with his aubergine. <laughs> what is that? Is that that's French? That's eggplant. That's what they call eggplants. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, you know, it's a okay. dick emoji. Anyway, here we go. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, so, sorry. Turns out that the poison was actually uh, something that we talk about in one of our other episodes from around the time that we recorded the werewolves episode, the zombies episode, where it's like something that, like, stops your heart. And then mm-hmm. her and some of her thugs dig him up, like exhume him and, and rescue him from the grave. So they're just getting him out of jail. Right. Then this is the scene where I, I'm i not going to go into detail, but uh, Jean-Francois comes to Marianne's room and reveals that he is the master of the the beast of Javadon and that it had recognized his scent on her and that's why it didn't attack but then he reveals that he's been in love with her and that's what's been motivating him this whole time because he wants to be with her and then he also reveals that actually his arm his again, arm, again it's his sister that's his sister. his sister yes sorry point that he reveals out. that his yeah. arm does work and he like unhooks his like kind of like um corset thing that he's got on and his arm is all gnarly. He's basically got he's got it like strapped down in a vest yeah. sort of thing. His arm's all gnarly. Um it's not like atrophied. It's actually it arguably like looks more muscular muscular, but that's just because it's got all the like the foam um uh or the all the silicone like prosthetic stuff on it to make it look gnarly, right? Yeah, it's like a real veiny bastard. Also, he's like kind of a a ripped dude, like w- sort of revealed at the end of the movie here. Anyway, and he's got like long fur, it's very creepy. But then, then there's the scene that we mentioned earlier, which we won't belabor anymore. Um, so Sil- like I said, Sylvia's agents uh, dig Fransac up, and then he immediately it just like basically cuts to the sermon of the brotherhood of the wolf. They're having like a, like a ritual and he shows up Fransac and he's like dual wielding short swords. And I read that they rigged up a system where there was like a swivel on his wrist. So he could like spin the swords and the sound that they make, Dave, (laughs) did you have thoughts of that? It sounds like Wolverine's claws in X-Men. Every time he spins them, he doesn't just like spin them for effect. It makes a like, like sound effect that sounds oh. just fucking god awful. 
it actually yeah, the sound like, design is real campy. But this last scene could be in like it could have been out of Mortal Kombat. Like he jumps down and he just like wrecks all the like priests of the brother Brotherhood of the Wolf, just like murders these dudes. And again, this is the guy at the beginning of the movie that's like, I like to paint. Here's this Harry Trout. Um, <laughs> here's my friend, he's good at martial arts. And then he's just like murdering all these dudes. And then the uh Jean-Francois has like a bo- a bone sword that's a also like a whip. I it, I read it like it, it it like animates. Yeah, it, it's very uh, bad. I read that the really filmmakers silly. were inspired. That was inspired by a weapon from the Soul Calibur video games of this time. Oh. Um, which okay. yeah, that makes a lot of sense because this looks like it looks like a fighting game for about two minutes right at there at the end. Nonetheless, if you are like me the first time you watch this movie, and this is my one my second strong recommendation. If you watch this movie, you should be drunk. Uh, yeah, like you I would, should I would be, say that, that probably would help. And at yeah. two hours, two hours and some change, by the time you get to this scene, you will be well and truly toasted. And when the scene comes on, you'll just be, you will have forgotten all the other nonsense and you'll just be like, fuck yeah, chain sword. Yeah, I mean, you could probably make a drinking game out of it. You uh, know, it's like, take a drink every time uh, there's like boobs for no reason or take a drink every time the voice acting is terrible you'll shit your pants oh you'll like 45 you'll, minutes. You, you'll you'll die you'll you have to get your stomach pumped <laughs> so yeah so anyway so it's revealed that jean francois um uh had um revealed that he had brought back a lion cub from africa and then um, tormented it and trained it to wear the the spiked metal armor. Um, and so Fransac kills Jean Francois for you know his crimes. Sardis, the priest, escapes into the mountains, but then he gets mauled to death by a pack of wolves. This harkens back to earlier in the movie where Mani had like was kind of communing with the wolves. They kind of implied that it was like his his um, spirit animal. They talk about there's a whole sequence where he's talking about people's uh, what what is the word they use spirit guides. Spirit guides. Um, it's it's rough. It's it's a lot of like it's not that there's like n- no basis for any of the idea, but it's basically like you knew a couple things. And so you made the most general stereotypical lore that you could. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of this movie that like, I feel like could have been done better in a more, um, in, in a more, uh, deft, authentic way, deft way. Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, then um, they finally Fransac goes and he finds the beast, which he had wounded earlier uh, before it, uh, before Mani was killed. He takes pity on the beast and um, mercy kills it. Then it cuts back to the Marquis. He's finishing writing his memoirs. He gets led down by the revolutionary mob to the guillotine. And he's like, I don't know what happened to, 
Fronsack and Marianne, but I, I hope they're doing okay. And then it cuts to the two of them sailing on a ship called the Frere Loop, which means Brother Wolf in French. So they presumably were heading to either Africa or the Americas. Mm-hmm. They never say. Somewhere. But they went to live happily ever after. Presumably, Sylvia went back to the Vatican to go, you know, do her cool spy shit, which I would definitely watch that movie of like other her other spy adventures. Yeah, um, there's another um, Vincent Cassell and. Um, Oh, uh, who who are we just talking about? Monica, Bell- Monica Bellucci. Yeah, called um, Irreversible. That um, I've never seen. I've been meaning to watch it. It is uh, apparently a very disturbing movie. Hmm. Um, it is a series of like thirteen long take scenes that are shown in reverse order. Hmm. Um, so if you're looking for more of those actors. It is a uh, acclaimed movie, but very, very difficult to watch from and understand. Um, Roger Ebert said it's so cruel and violent that most viewers would find it impossible to sit through. So why are you, why are you recommending it? Because it is, from my understanding, pretty important in the history of, of French cinema and the way it is done and the, um, the punches that it does not pull. Just be warned, it is rough. If the things that we said in the beginning of this episode would upset you in this movie, uh, this would be a hundredfold. Hmm. Well, um, Monica Bellucci, she she sort of gained fame from Brotherhood. So she's Italian. Uh, she sort of gained, I believe she was a model before this. She was in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, but she was in Brotherhood of the Wolf, and then she was in that movie that you were mentioning, uh, Irreversible. But she kind of gained the most fame because of the Matrix films, which was two years after Brotherhood of the Wolf. Right. Uh, for the record, she was born in 1964, She so she's 59 years old now. She still is... Very gorgeous. Yep. And like I said, she's dating Tim Burton. So Tim Burton, you you little goth motherfucker. God bless God bless you. <laughs> so what are our uh, what are our final thoughts on Brotherhood of the Wolf here? Um how how did it kind of relate to the the actual story and 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 our episode about werewolves? Well, I mean, it gets a little bit into werewolf lore. Um, I think it's a good example. I mean, obviously, the end of this movie is not... I mean, we don't know exactly what happened with the Beast of Jebeldon overall, but, like, well, we the end it, of this movie... We think it was basically... It, just, it was wolves that were... It was, just, it was just wolves, yeah. Although, again, um, although probably a lot of the tales of people getting, like, eaten by wolves from that time were probably... Um, sort of tall tales, because it is mentioned in the movie, Gregoire de Fronsac says, wolves don't really attack people very right. often. Rarely do they do that, yeah. 
Um, and then one of the characters says, well, maybe it's a rabid wolf. And Fransek says, well, if it was a rabid wolf, then it would die soon. And it wouldn't be. And then the problem would have solved itself. So, like, there is, like, you know, like, I actually liked that part about the character. Because he, he's the one that's, like, logical and, like, enlightenment enlightenment thinker. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, like, well, you know, people, people died from, you know, nature, uh, in various ways in, in old, ye oldie times. Um, yeah, cl- clearly it wasn't a, you know, a hyena or a, a, an armor wearing lion or, or, or whatever, or a werewolf. Yeah, I think I think a big takeaway for me is that like I almost feel like this movie relates most to our satanic panic episode because you have this character mm. that is like this enlightened thinker, this naturalist who is sort of the voice of reason the entire time, and it kind of felt like that was part of the commentary. That's interesting. Um, so that, yeah. That's kind of what I took from it. Yeah, that's a really good point that I I hadn't um hadn't thought of at all. Um. Because yeah, it is. It was kind of like it's this hysteria, which was kind of what was happening at the time. In you know, clearly it's spawned these legends. Um, yeah, so um, it's it's interesting. It was like this this French folk tale for you know hundreds of years old that they sort of tried to adapt to the modern era with I, I think like mixed success. Um, and like turning into an action movie, they, they sort of like, like a lot of movies that are end up being kind of weird. It's, you can't really pick which, which genre it is. Although usually movies that, um, plug other podcasts here, but, um, uh, the blast zone movies that bombed is a podcast that I really enjoy where they talk about movies that lost money at the box office. And they're not always bad movies, but they're ones that lost money. And the th- if if there's any like theme or through line through all of them, or many of them, it's that they couldn't like decide what they wanted to be. So well, like kinda... I said, Roger Ebert described it as an explosion of yeah. the genre factory, and that's pretty apt. It is all over the place in that regard. But in this case, it was it was very like successful in a monetary sense. Mm. So yeah. So anyway, if you, you know, I, I, again, I'm not going to tell people not to watch it. It certainly was entertaining. I think it was like, kind of like, it's not, it falls somewhere in between good. It's not good, but it's also not quite so bad. It's good. Joe, Joe let's, let's, let's start giving a movie, a movie's rankings on a, on a zero to 10 scale. What would you rate it there? Six. Yeah, I was thinking like a five or a six. I'll give it a five. Like I said, I'll say it's six because it wasn't. There are movies that I really enjoy watching because they're just so stupid that they are they're entertaining. Mm-hmm. I recently watched the the Meg movies. Yeah, which are like very aware of their modern B movies with a mm-hmm. with a with a high budget. Right, and for that reason, they're very entertaining. But then you have movies that are like actually good, and so they're entertaining. This is not quite either of those things. That's why it's like right in the middle. I liked the action sequences. Yeah, 
I did like the actors. Um, if I had abundant free time, I would watch this movie in the original French language so I could hear the original um, actor performances. Yeah, that's another reason why I would give it a five. Just I think having experienced the English dub and the English dub being so phoned in, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that definitely hurt a lot. I think uh, I do think the fighting is is really surprisingly good mm-hmm. and more down to earth than you would uh, think. And um, but just the the plot and the fact that like it it got really confused as to like why it mattered that some people were villains and. Um, what was really important it just it couldn't it far from sticking the landing yeah it was like a really long uh slow burn and then they like had to like throw all of the you know plot threads together the only like real foreshadowing that happens is the silver bullet thing um but it's like yeah by the time it's like i accuse you and you and you like i don't the only two people that i was like was the priest and the creepy brother of like those are the bad guys. I don't know who any of these other guys are. Yeah, and Vincent Cassell kind of has a face like you kind of know right away when you see him. Like, if I'm gonna bet on somebody being the bad guy, it's gonna be him. He just always has this like devious look on his face. Yeah, they look kind of maybe because like every movie I know of that I've seen him in, he's always the like he's the villain. So yeah. maybe it's a typecasting thing. But I, as soon as I saw him, I was like. I think it's gonna be him. So he, yeah. So he's so he's in a lot of you've seen a. He he he's in a lot of um, Eng, English language films, at, sort mm-hmm. of yeah. sort of after this. Yeah, maybe one of the biggest English language language ones relatively recent was Black Swan. Mm-hmm. He's also in Ocean's Twelve and Ocean's Thirteen. That's um, right. Yeah. yeah. Some. Yeah. So, so you know, you, you, you've seen him in some films, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, that was uh, the first well, of our. Um, that was the first of our. An hour of our time goes to the movies. So this is uh, hopefully the start of um, some bonus content, which we will be releasing to our Patreon subscribers. Um, we love doing this podcast. We we love talking to you about. Everything that we've learned, be it learning about uh, particle accelerators or watching French language action film slash historical dramas. We love doing this, but um, podcast fees are a thing. And so yep. we would yep. love to have some support from our audience. Um, only if you like us and you're able uh, give us a subscription and um, in return we'll be producing some cool bonus content for you including uh, an hour of our time goes to the movies and then if you have suggestions for kinds of bonus episodes that you would like to see we would definitely like to hear your suggestions and um, yeah and then we'll, we'll be doing more of these yeah, yeah, and we'll hopefully have more news about the Patreon soon. Definitely by the end of the calendar year, we'll have that launched. We just kind of wanted to give you a sample of the kind of things we're thinking of in terms of bonus content. This is what you could have. You could have it all. But in, until that time, 
we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to an hour of our time. If you like what you heard, we encourage you to explore our catalog of over 200 episodes. And rate and review on your platform of choice. And if you have any comments or episode topic suggestions, contact us at anhourofourtimepodcast at gmail.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.